guys, welcome back to Sarah Says, the weekly podcast with me, Sarah, CEO and Chief Scrunchy Enthusiast over at Stockman Studios talking about whatever it is that's on my mind. Guys, if you are on my Instagram account, you know what's about to happen. If you are not, you need to go to Instagram right now. Make sure you are following Sockbun Studios because we've had the best time over the last 24 hours and now I get to sit here and record this podcast. Yesterday, I took my almost seven-year-old nanny kid book shopping because she loves reading and there is a place in Columbus called The Book Loft and I've never been before, but it's this crazy big bookshop uh, like in a converted home in this little town off of downtown called German Village. And it was really super cool. But I found this book while I was shopping with her called Build Your Own Christmas Movie Romance. Pick your plot, meet your man, and create the holiday love story of a lifetime. By Rianne Conk. Probably said that wrong. Probably. Uh... I was so excited, had to buy it, even though it ended up being $23 and I was not expecting that price for this book, especially since it says uh, $19.95 on the back cover. Anyway, I asked my Instagram followers to pick the story. So they went through, they picked every part of it, and I have no idea what I'm about to read to you, but I'm so excited I will be doing this a few times over because... There's several ways this story can go, but now, without further ado, let's, that was a really bad drum roll, build our own Christmas movie romance. We start with scene one, where we meet the heroine. That's none of your business. Chrissy slammed her business phone down on her business desk inside. She looked around. Her entire desk was covered with business binders, business books, including the classic How to Business Your Way to the Top of Business, and business supplies. One thing was for sure. She was a business lady. The phone rang again. She picked it up, shouted business, and slammed it back down. She simply had too much business to deal with all of this. Chrissy pulled a hand mirror out of her desk drawer and examined herself. She was dressed the way she did every day, dark blazer, skirt, and extremely sensible heels. In fact, when she bought them, Chrissy had asked the shoe salesman to bring her the heel equivalent of the woman at the bar who takes her friend's keys and is always reminding them to keep drinking water. That's how sensible they were. To complete her outfit, she wore her hair pulled back into a smart ponytail. Not like a ponytail you'd wear for sport, but the kind of smooth business ponytail that business ladies can pull off. In short, the perfect outfit for doing business. She checked her makeup in the mirror. Minimal, not so distracting that it would get in the way of business. Every eyelash in place. She took a deep breath. Today was going to be the day. Chrissy had started at Big Business Company 10 years ago as an intern, and now, after years of thankless work, filing, sorting, synergizing, circling back on that email, it was finally happening. She was going to be promoted to junior executive in charge of business. I'm not a businessman, she whispered in to her reflection in the mirror. I am a business ma'am. It was what she always told herself when she needed to get pumped up. Her phone rang again and she grabbed it in frustration. Eve, I told you to hold on my calls, she snapped to her assistant through the line. Sorry, Eve whispered, but it's your mom, so I thought you might want to make an exception. Chrissy sighed. Chrissy knew what this was about. With a final groan, she said, I'll take it on line one. Honey, exclaimed her mother moments later. It's so good to hear your voice. 
Hi, Mom, said Chrissy, bracing herself. How's work? her mom asked. Busy with business, as usual, said Chrissy. Look, honey, I know you're busy, so I'll make this quick. I'm just finalizing all my meal prep for our big Christmas dinner, and I just wanted to confirm that you and Cole will be there with bells on. Sure, Mom, Chrissy responded breezily. Of course we'll be there. Her mind was racing. They would not be there. She and Cole had already agreed that they would not be attending this year's family Christmas dinner. They were planning on going skiing in the Swiss Alps. Plus, she had, how would Cole put it? Oh, right. He'd said, family dinners? That sounds like something only lower middle class people do. Then he slicked his hair back with one hand, caught his reflection in a storefront window, and flexed his biceps for all the street to see. Wow, he whispered to himself, I'm rich and smart and have good muscles. Chrissy felt a pang then, something deep inside that said, maybe this isn't the world's best man? But she pushed that feeling away. She adored Cole. So what if he called puppies plus-size brats? He was handsome and successful and exactly what a businesswoman like her belonged with. And plus, she remembered, his comforter was custom-made out of $100 bills, and she mostly felt like this was a good thing, right? Maybe not best to think about it. Oh, I'm so glad, Chrissy's mom cried, interrupting Chrissy's thoughts. I hadn't heard from you in a while, and I was beginning to wonder if you'd be able to make it at all. Of course we're coming, Chrissy said. Why did she keep saying that? Cole was going to kill her. Maybe, she thought. Maybe there was a way to reschedule the flights and the reservations so that they could swing by Candy Cane Falls before leaving. They should have thought about this earlier. The annual dinner at her mom's house was not a surprise. It was, you know, annual. Why did they schedule the trip to fall exactly on Christmas? Suddenly, Chrissy had a flashback, a hazy memory of herself saying to Cole, Schedule it on Christmas so we miss all the festivities this year, because I don't know if I've told you, she had continued, but I hate Christmas. Cole nodded. I know. It's literally on your Tinder bio, he reminded her. And you say it in your sleep. And you yell it when you're surprised. And it's your password to everything. Not everything, Chrissy exclaimed. My bank account password is I hate Christmas one, two, three, exclamation point, because I needed to use numbers and a special character. Then Cole leaned in cautiously. Do you mind me asking, he had said. Why do you hate Christmas so much? Chrissy slapped him across the face. Her eyes went dark like a Christmas bulb that had gone dark. You know I don't talk about that, she hissed. It's my mysterious secret. It gives me depth. And there will be three types of potato casserole, her mom was saying. Chrissy snapped back onto the phone conversation. And your aunt is bringing green bean casserole, her special recipe with extra starbursts. And let's see, Tom from the shoe repair shop is bringing turkey casserole, and I think Susan from the PTA is bringing bread casserole, and Glass from next door has volunteered to make a wine casserole, so I think you're really going to like it. I can't wait, Chrissy said weakly. I'm relieved, her mother said. You know I don't like to ask for help, but the candy cane harvest was huge this year, which is great news for the bottom line, but bad news for my aching back. Chrissy's parents had been lifelong candy cane harvesters. When her dad died 10 years ago, her mom had kept the business going on her own. If you're from a big city, you may not understand what that means. You probably think that candy canes arrive wrapped in plastic, ready for your minty enjoyment. Well, the secret that small town folks know is that there's actually quite a bit that happens before that delicious striped treat arrives in your big city penthouse. And that's where candy cane harvesters come in. The way it works is... Something gets planted in the ground. Chrissy wasn't sure. And then some kind of farming was done to it. Chrissy never paid attention. And then after some amount of time, 
Chrissy never listened when her parents explained. They were ready to not be in the ground anymore. Chrissy didn't know how. At the bigger industrial candy cane farms, there were machines that would harvest the candy canes, bushel after bushel, but Chrissy's parents' farm was a small operation, and they had always preferred to do the work themselves. They always said you could tell the difference when a candy cane was hand-picked. And I hate to impose, her mother continued, but even for a couple of days, it sure would be nice to have a few extra hands around here to help bring the harvest in. Chrissy tried to imagine Cole pulling candy canes out of the ground. She couldn't do it. It was as absurd as imagining him at a Brooks Brothers outlet store. I can definitely see Cole pulling candy canes out of the ground, Chrissy said. They chatted for a few more minutes, and then Chrissy and her mother said their goodbyes. Chrissy hung up the phone and opened her work laptop to shoot off a quick email to Cole. Told my mom we'd be coming home for Christmas. Oops, don't have the heart to tell her we'll be skiing instead. She was so excited that you were finally going to be able to make it. Couldn't bum her out. Do you want to tell her? Ha 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 ha. Just kidding. But also, maybe you should tell her. Kidding. Unless you want to. Talk later. She had sent. Then, a minute later, a sinking realization came over her and she slowly pulled out her sent message folder. And there it was at the top. The last email she had typed for Cole. But she hadn't actually sent it to Cole. She could see now with horror. She had accidentally sent it to the next C email in her address book. Chrissy's best mom in the world, 123 at hotmail.com. She started scrambling, looking for a way to unsend the message. When her mother's response email arrived, I'm sorry you feel like you can't tell me these things, but I understand that you and Cole have your own plans too. Chrissy sighed in relief, then kept reading. And seeing as the sport of downhill skiing carried you for nine months, gave birth to you, and raised you, I understand why you would decide to spend Christmas with it instead of your mother. Love, Mom not skiing. Chrissy groaned. She would have to call her mom later to apologize and explain, but right now she just had too much on her mind. Talking with her mom about cold reminded her she had dinner plans with him that evening. They were celebrating their two-year dating anniversary, which Chrissy reminded herself was basically 10 in business years. Cole had been acting strange lately, so when he asked her if he could meet her for dinner at their favorite restaurant later that night, at once, she had realized... He was going to propose. All the late nights, the secretive whispers, the volatile moods. Suddenly it all made sense. He had been ring shopping late at night and stressed about making the proposal perfect. It was so cold. Almost as cold as changing the passwords on his phone and laptop so she couldn't access them anymore. Probably because they were full of pictures of the ring. Tonight it was really happening. She almost squealed in delight just thinking about it. Eve tapped on the door. Chrissy waved her in. They're ready for you in the conference room, Eve said. By they, Eve, of course, meant Janet and Tad, Chrissy's bosses. Chrissy was due for a promotion, and when Janet scheduled this meeting, Chrissy knew exactly what it was for. They were going to announce her new position as junior executive in charge of business. Chrissy was always assuming the outcome of things, and this would prove to be an unequivocally good thing. What would she do with the raise that would come with the promotion? Being a junior executive surely came with perks, a company car, maybe, or access to the executive-level dining room, but one thing was for certain. She had definitely earned this promotion. All those late nights and weekends, missing more family events than she could count, because she wasn't good at counting. Well, this would make up for it, she told herself. The first thing she'd buy with her raise would be a really nice gift for her mom, to make up for having to miss Christmas dinner. All that time, it, it was finally happening. She looked at herself hard in her hand mirror. Chrissy, she said to her reflection, you are getting a raise. 
Chrissy, you are not getting a raise, said Janet, after pleasantries had been exchanged. I could see that look in your eye when you came in, and, look, I'll get right to it. I'm afraid this meeting is not good news. Your position is being terminated, effective immediately. You can take until the end of the day to pack up your things, said Tad. It's nothing personal, Janet added. It's simple dollars and cents, which is to say, we want more of them. Your position just happened to be the next one on the chopping block. Chrissy nodded in a daze and stood up. She was fired. She was fired? Starting to feel woozy, she leaned against the wall to study herself. I understand. Chrissy finally found a way to say it. She straightened up. Be dignified, she thought to herself. Being a business lady is about dignity, and leaning against walls is not dignified. Unless you're inside the Leaning Tower of Pisa, in which case it's kind of all cancels out, she reminded herself. She was always forgetting about that exception. Tad and Janet were looking at her sympathetically. I don't need your pity, Chrissy thought. I'll show you that I'm fine. Just so you know, Chrissy continued, I'm actually fine. Good, Janet started. Actually, I'm amazing, Chrissy went on. Fantastic, spectacular, superior, prodigious, awe-inspiring. It was a good thing she had read the A section of her thesaurus this morning. And, Chrissy went on, I just want to let you know that I hold no hard feelings. You're just doing what you had to do. Honestly, I would have done the same thing. Now, Chrissy, Tad said, holding up his hand, there's really no need. I'm fine, Chrissy said brightly. Slender, small, thin, gossamer, m minute, delicate. Tad and Janet looked confused. Oh no, thought Chrissy, wrong kind of fine. Best to make a dignified exit. Janet, Tad it, she said, nodding as they tilted their head in confusion. Good day. Chrissy stayed in her office with the door shut behind her all day, absentmindedly clearing off her desk and shoving her office decorations into old printer boxes. She glanced down at the wooden sign that read, Live, Laugh, Love. Would she ever remember to do those in the right order? She flipped through her customized calendar with the entire month of December missing. Would she ever have the strength to rip a piece of paper out of a calendar again? She rolled up the poster with a kitten hanging on a tree branch under the text reading, Hang in there. Would she ever find someone to explain that poster to her? Fired. Fired? She said it so many times the word began to sound strange, like fired, but weird. Fired, 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 she whispered. Minutes slipped away and then hours until suddenly she remembered her dinner plans. Nothing could distract her from a bad day better than an anniversary dinner with Cole and whatever he had planned. Chrissy smiled despite herself. She looked at her left hand. This would be the last time she saw it without a ring. She picked up her box of belongings and marched out of the office with confidence. Good riddance, she thought. It was no longer just a Green Day song that she connected with way too much as a junior in high school. She was done with big business company, and that was fine. She would have more matrimonial things to worry about in the near future anyway. Business would just get in the way. I feel like business has just gotten in the way, said Cole apologetically that night over dinner. I travel. You work those crazy hours. Come on, Chrissy. I can't be the only one feeling like this. We've been practically over for months. Chrissy nodded dumbly. This is not how she had expected tonight to go. A waiter stopped by the table. More wine for the lady? he asked. Wine is more good. Fine, Chrissy muttered. She was in shock. I'll always love you, Chris. You know that, Cole continued. But truthfully, I just don't know if a monogamous relationship is even for me. It's not natural, for one thing. Name one animal in all of nature that's monogamous. Swans and wolves, said Chrissy quietly. Oh, said Cole. Well, I guess. Also, Gibbons. Beavers. Shingleback skinks. 
Okay, I get the point, Cole interjected. Barn owls, she said, her voice growing louder. Bald eagles, French angelfish, schistoma, mansoni worms, she yelled. The entire restaurant grew quiet. Schistoma, mansoni worms, Cole. Chrissy picked up her glass, newly full of red wine, the expensive kind, because of all their business money. Back in Candy Cane Falls, they drank dumb, simple things like apple cider and hot chocolate, and Chrissy gagged water, lower middle class drinks. This wine wasn't for someone whose idea of splurging was to go to TJ Maxx without a coupon. This wine was for upper middle class people. She paused for a moment and then tossed the wine directly into Cole's face. He sputtered and grabbed for a napkin. What about the Alps, Cole? Chrissy said. We were going to go to Switzerland and ski. I already bought my tickets. I'll reimburse you, Cole mumbled. That isn't good enough. Oh, wait. Wow, really? Okay, that's a relief, honestly, because it was just going to be, like, one other stressful thing. So, I guess thank you. But also, you can definitely rot in hell. But I do appreciate it, Chrissy said. Cole nodded. I'll always love you, Chrissy, he said. Just not in the way where I want to be around you. Does that make sense? Chrissy grabbed a water glass and threw it in Cole's face. Nothing happened. The glass had been empty. Oh, Chrissy said, examining the glass. Oh, I see. I thought I couldn't see the water because water is clear, but now I see it's because it was empty. She picked up a dinner roll and threw it at him instead. Goodbye, Cole, she said. Call me if you ever reconsider monogamy. On the cold walk home, she dialed her mom's number. She picked up on the first ring. Mom, Chrissy said tearfully, the ski trip is canceled. Tell everyone I'm leaving the big city with all its plexiglass and pigeons. I'm coming to the place where buildings are short and the birds are ducks. I'll... I'll be coming home to Candy Cane Falls for Christmas after all. Scene 3. The Meat Cute The sign on the side of the road said, Welcome to Candy Cane Falls, and Chrissy's Uber driver slowed as he drove past to admire it. Decked out in an explosion of blinking lights, it was festive, but still, it was nothing compared to the town itself. The driver whistled as he pulled onto the main street, staring out the window at the winter wonderland that was Candy Cane Falls in December. Candy Cane Falls may be a small town, Chrissy said robotically, repeating something she'd heard a hundred times from her mother, but there's nothing small about the way we do Christmas. The car screeched to a halt to let three reindeer pass. The driver looked back at Chrissy in shock. It's just a small town thing, said Chrissy. Small towns, as I understand them, are just full of reindeer. The Uber driver studied his phone. Hmm, he frowned. The GPS isn't finding me. Is there no service out here? Chrissy laughed. Well, she said... Candy Cane Falls is an old-fashioned place. I remember a few years ago they tried to update the technological infrastructure, but everyone was so upset, and there were so many protests, that they finally had to scrap the project. And to think, she said, shaking her head, of all the good those cans strung between windows could have done for the people of this town. But I guess they just weren't ready. Any chance you can direct me to your house, he asked? Sure, said Chrissy. Then she paused. Actually, Chrissy said, let's take the long way. I want to show you Candy Cane Falls. I thought on the drive down you said you hated Candy Cane Falls, her driver said, that it was a podunk holiday mess that didn't even have one functioning stock exchange. And then you said, by the way, I hate Christmas, and gazed out the window mysteriously and wouldn't talk for the next hour. No, you don't understand, said Chrissy. I want to show you Candy Cane Falls sarcastically, so that I can at least know that some other sane person from the outside can see what a ridiculous, worthless place this is, and how few tourists there are to shove past on the sidewalks. Chrissy sighed. She loved shoving past tourists on sidewalks. In fact, she could go for a good sidewalk shove right now. 
maybe someone wearing a fanny pack. But of course, this was Candy Cane Falls, and there were no tourists to be found. Now this, Chrissy said, pointing out her window toward a small building decorated to look like a gingerbread house, is City Hall. She leaned out the window, seeming to be searching for something. Ah, there he is, she said. Just right over there is our mayor. Her driver craned his neck to see. You mean that short guy standing behind that moose, he asked? No, said Chrissy. You mean that woman in the power suit trying to walk in front of that moose, he asked? Not her, said Chrissy. You mean that old guy who doesn't seem to realize that he's about to walk into that moose, he asked? Not him, said Chrissy. There were several seconds of silence in the car. It's the moose, he finally said quietly. It's the moose, Chrissy repeated. He's been mayor for something like six terms so far, but you have to remember that's in moose years. Actually, that makes it worse. Keep driving. This is the main drag, Chrissy said when they pulled into the downtown minutes later. Let's see, we've got a hot chocolate shop, and a Christmas cookie shop, and a muffin shop, and a high-end candy cane shop, and a shop with furs and robes and tiaras, just in case someone in town ever falls in love with a mysterious stranger, and he turns out to be a royal, and she needs to quickly look the part because his mother, the queen, is arriving today, and she must make a good impression. The future of Galdovia depends upon it. You might also be surprised to find that we have a small technical school here, Chrissy continued. You can learn useful traits like reindeer shoeing, or snowshoeing, or shooing away anyone who says they don't love Christmas, but that last one's more of a certificate program. She pointed out the other window, and over there is the Contest, Contest, Contest Warehouse. It's the perfect place to go if you suddenly find yourself in a situation where you need to win some sort of baking contest to save your parents' farm, or to raise money for a sick child, or to prove to yourself that even though you're a widower, you can at least still... I don't know, baked cookies or something. Basically, they have anything you might need there. Any aprons or cooking supplies or trophies or pre-written motivational speeches you can give to yourself in the mirror before the big day, the day that you win the farm back and finally earn dad's respect. Although, of course, he'll tell you that he always respected you. He just didn't know how to show it. Aw, dad, you'll say, patting him on the shoulder, realizing you didn't know what to say, but then your goofy younger brother will run into the kitchen, chuck a Christmas cookie at dad's face, and yell, food fight! And you'll both look at each other like, are we doing this? And then you both shrug like, I guess we're doing this. And you both laugh and scoop up your own Christmas treats and hurl them at each other all long into the night. This will somehow make up for a childhood devoid of paternal affection. And next year, guess who the judge of the cookie contest is? That's right, dear old dad. Her driver opened his mouth once or twice, but no words came out. Basically, I'm just saying you could get that stuff there, Chrissy explained. Anyway, that's the whole downtown. Now, here on the way out, she said, pointing out the window, is lonely Chris. He's always just kind of sadly walking around alone outside the shops like he's just begging someone to ask if he's okay. Have you ever thought to ask? The driver asked. Then he peered out the window. Wait, are you talking about that big guy in the red sweatshirt with the white piping, he asked? Yep, said Chrissy. With the big white beard and black boots, he asked? That's Chris, she said brightly. Carrying that huge burlap sack, he asked? Yes, Chrissy said impatiently. You got it, that's Chris. I only pointed him out to you because if you ever run into him, you might get the vacant sensation that if you only stop to talk to him, to treat him like a human being, great mysteries and secrets might be revealed onto you and you might learn a valuable lesson about outward appearances and inward beauty. But you should ignore that feeling because, like I made a point to say, it's just lonely, friendless Chris, and you don't need to worry about him. What do you think would happen if you do? 
You think you're going to learn some kind of important lesson about the inherited values that exist in every person no matter what difficult circumstance they find themselves in? What does this burlap sack say? The driver asked, squinting. Good boys and girls see beyond the surface? I can't imagine that it has any important meaning or that it's relevant in figuring out Chris and his whole deal, Chrissy said. Things are always exactly as they seem. And... North Pole magic isn't real. As she spoke, she heard a faint tinkling sound outside like tiny bells. Did you hear that? She asked the driver. Hey, he said slowly. Do you maybe want to pull over and say hi? At least see if you need something? Fine, Chrissy said. Pull over since you're so obsessed with them. I'm not obsessed. You know what? Never mind, he said, pulling the car to the side of the road. Let's just go say hi. Hey, Chrissy said after a few minutes of driving. I never asked your name. I know, said the driver. They continued in silence until they reached Chris. His eyes lit up when he saw them. Hello, he cried. How nice to see two of my favorites. I'd been hoping you would say hello. You're as nice in person as I always suspected. He did finger quotes when he said nice. Chrissy shot her driver a look that said, see, I told you. Hi, said the driver, sticking out his hand. I'm Evan. Nice to meet you. Evan, hmm, said Chris. Sounds a light like Elfin, if you ask me, he winked. Evan grinned. Sure, I guess, he said. Hey, is there anything we can get you, Chris? We're happy to call someone to pick you up, if you need, or even to grab a bite to eat with you, if you need the company. Chris's eyes twinkled. You're very kind, young man, but all I really need from you both is a promise. Chrissy looked at him skeptically. I want you both to always remember that home is not a place, it's a state of the heart. Evan had pulled out his phone and was typing furiously in the notes app, not a place, state of heart. Wow, he said, looking up. This is great stuff, man. Really brilliant. I have a friend who does amateur calligraphy on reclaimed slabs of wood, and she is going to love this. Chrissy was still staring. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, she said. Are you really telling me you're just sadly hanging around outside waiting for people to approach you just so you can say inane platitudes like that? Chris laughed, a big, booming laugh. As he laughed, his stomach shook like... Hmm... Chrissy thought, like a large container holding something edible, like a bowl, she realized. It shook like a bowl full of pudding, gelatin, something like that. That was for certain. Home isn't a state of heart, Chrissy snapped, embarrassed by Chris's laughter. Home is New York City. The Big Apple, Chris murmured to himself, reaching into a paper sack and removing a red delicious. I'm so glad I saved this for my snack. Now, dear, I'm sorry. I completely missed what you were saying. Nothing, Chrissy said, lips pursed. Don't worry about it. Ethan and I have to be on our way. Evan, whispered Evan. You know, Chris said, smiling at Chrissy. We're not so different, you and I. Why do you think we practically share a name? Chrissy got into the car and slammed the door. She was agitated, and she didn't quite know why. Who did Chris, who did this Chris character think he was? Why were his eyes so twinkly and his cheeks so rosy? Rosacea, Chrissy thought, of course. Let's go home, Eric, she said at last. He pulled away from the curb and began driving, and Chris became smaller and smaller in the rearview window. It was only once he was completely out of sight that the thought occurred to Chrissy. She had never introduced herself. She jolted upright. How did Chris know her name? Then she heard a faint twinkling, tinkling sound, like someone playing the world's tiniest bells. Did you hear that? She asked Evan. Hear what? Evan asked. Chrissy sat back on her seat. Never mind. Let's just drive. 
The car snaked through curvy back roads until it finally settled on a property just on the outskirts of town, Chrissy's childhood home. When she was younger, they lived in a small apartment closer to the center of town. At the time, they were growing candy canes on windowsills, on their balcony, in the small patch of grass in front of the building, wherever they could find. The peppermint business was brutal, and the candy cane sector was the most competitive of all. If Chrissy's family was ever going to build a sustainable business, they knew they were going to have to grind. So the small two-bedroom apartment had been overwhelmed by candy canes, tucked into corners behind the bathtub, sprouting out of little pots. But as her parents' candy cane farm grew and grew, things changed. They needed to expand the business and move to a place with a little more property. Your parents own a candy cane farm? asked Evan, puzzled. I thought those died out years ago. Last I'd heard, candy canes were just made from sugar and cornstarch and food dye and stuff. Chrissy laughed. Most candy canes are these days, but Candy Cane Falls is a small town, and people do things the slow way here. So they may be old-fashioned, celebrating Christmas all month, and growing their own candy canes, but, well, God love them, and I hate to admit it, but my parents were always right about one thing. They taste better than the store-bought stuff. Can there really be that much difference in the flavor of candy canes? Evan asked. They seem pretty straightforward. She laughed again. What a dumb boy she was dealing with. Okay, she said, here's what I want you to do. Close your eyes and imagine the flavor of a candy cane in your mouth. Are you imagining it? Evan closed his eyes. Mm-hmm, he said. Okay, she said. Now imagine that flavor, but like way better. Like way better. Now open your eyes. Evan opened his eyes. Whoa, he said. Pretty amazing, right? She asked. That's the difference between homegrown and factory-made candy canes. Speaking of, she said, gesturing toward the house, that's probably my cue to leave. Thanks for the ride, and if you're ever in the city and want someone to hustle and bustle with, look me up. I live in a harsh minimalist apartment that is primarily constructed of sharp corners. It's for women who don't want children. Anyway, she said, waving her hand. I'm rambling. I must be going crazy from missing business so much. Thanks again for the ride. I had a nice time. Then she paused and looked back at him. She actually had had a nice time. She couldn't remember the last time she'd felt so relaxed. It was probably nothing. And... She felt silly even thinking about it. But did she like this guy? They'd been cooped up inside his car for hours. And not once, once, had he made a joke about how, since they were stuck in his car, they were actually cooped up. Which, for some reason, was a pun Chrissy was certain he would make. One that would have been made worse by the fact that Evan's Prius wasn't even a coupe. It was unlikely, yes, but she had been hurt by men in their terrible puns before. It wasn't just that, though. She'd also liked that he was nice. She talked easily with him. He kept his hands on the wheel at ten and two the whole time, but not in a way that, where it seemed like he thought he was better than you. Just where you knew it came naturally to him. And he was funny, too. After she had told him about a TED Talk she had recently heard, the power-posing one, obviously, she asked him what, if he were absolutely forced to give a TED Talk, he would speak about. He paused for a moment and then replied, the origins and iterations of the name Theodore. It had taken until now, outside her home, for Chrissy to get a, the joke, and she laughed out loud. She appreciated the delayed gratification and reminded her of her favorite TED Talk, the one about the marshmallow test. And most importantly, for all the radio and podcasts they listened to during their drive, not once did Evan say, you know a couple of my buddies and I are actually thinking of starting a podcast. She literally had never met a man like him before. Could this be fate? She wondered. Could this even be love? He's not the love of your life, she whispered to herself. He just isn't immediately interested in starting a podcast, and there is a difference. 
Thanks again, she said, smiling at Evan. Oh, wait, he said. Hanks again. I totally forgot. But you just reminded me. This whole time I've been meaning to tell you about this podcast I just started with a few of my buddies. It's called Hanks Again. And basically every week we just talk about sequels and prequels that Tom Hanks has done. Chrissy thought for a second. So, just the Toy Story and the Da Vinci Code movies? She finally asked. No, Evan shot back. He also had a minor role in The Ruddles 2, Can't Buy Me Lunch. But... Otherwise, yes, that's it. Chrissy smiled, suddenly exhausted. Maybe I'll check it out, she said, stepping out of the car. See ya. If you use the code Hanks for the memories, you can get 5% off your next mattress subscription box, he called out the window. I don't know what that means, she responded, waving as the car drove away. Five stars, she called, suddenly remembering remembering the name of a nativity theme shop back in town. She'd been trying to think of it all day. She didn't have time to think about that, though, because the screen door banged open and her mother rushed out to envelope her in a hug. Ugh, Chrissy grunted, smothered under the embrace. It's nice to see you, too, she finally wriggled free. Come inside, said her mom, smiling. I have a surprise for you. A surprise, asked Chrissy. This close to Christmas? Just come in, her mother said, grabbing her by the hand and practically dragging her across the front porch through the foyer and into the kitchen. As you know, her mother said, the candy cane harvest was huge this year. Oh, here, Chrissy, will you hold these for me for a minute? She asked, scooping a stack of recipe books off the counter and into Chrissy's arms. Chrissy nodded and clumsily accepted the books. Anyway, her mother continued, even though I tried to avoid it, I knew that it was probably going to have to hire someone to help me with the winter rush. Chrissy nodded again. And when you know, she continued, but one day I was out of the Christmas cookie store trying to place an order and who would walk in but me? said Nick. He had entered the kitchen through the back door when no one was paying attention. Nicholas Bell? Chrissy gasped, dropping all of the books to the floor. Wow, said Nick. If it isn't Chrissy, Kristen, Christopher, he added, dropping to his knee to scoop up the recipe books, all while grinning his famous, humble, non-threatening, deeply attractive grin that felt like putting on a warm hoodie or sinking into a soft couch or peeling the plastic off a brand new phone. In the high school yearbook, he'd actually been voted most likely to have a humble, non-threatening, deeply attractive grin that felt like putting on a warm hoodie or sinking into a soft couch or peeling the plastic off a brand new phone, although, of course, that caption got caught off because of space limitations. How long has it been? Probably since, since senior prom. You were wearing that light blue tux that accentuated your forearm veins, and then you were stunning in that sparkling spaghetti strap silver dress. They finished the thought together. Jinx, they both shouted. Double jinx, you owe me a Coke. They were still shouting in rhythm. Diet Coke, Coke Zero, Sprite. Still, they continued on as if in one voice. Strawberry and Dr. Pepper, actual Dr. Pepper. Mr. Pim, Dr. Pepper isn't available. Mellow Yellow, Surge. Oh, man, remember Surge? Finally, they both doubled over out of breath. We know so many soda brands and flavors, gasped Chrissy. We really do, said Nick, breathing deeply. Chrissy's mom gasped. Anyway, Nick said, it was a beautiful dress. Well, she said, blushing, my hairdo certainly left something to be desired. Suddenly, she didn't know what to do with her hands. What does one do with one's hands while one is talking, she wondered. She placed them both on her belly. No, that wasn't right. One flat on the countertop, the other with the palm facing up? Close, but also wrong. She finally decided to just stick them in her pockets. But when she tried, she realized that her jeans had false pockets that didn't open at all. So she thought some angry thoughts about feminism and the clothing industry and awkwardly just rested her hands on her upper thighs. Well, Nick, she said finally, I have to go and pack, but I guess I'll be seeing you around. I guess you will, he said. Chrissy walked out of the kitchen toward the stairs. 
She stopped to glance back at Nick, who was looking out the back window. She smiled and started up the stairs to her room. Nick glanced away from the window and watched her. He smiled and shook his head. Chrissy took a few more steps and then looked back again, but by this point she was already in her room and only saw the closed door. Darn, she thought. She was very good at business, but she was not very smart in love. Or spatial awareness. Scene 4. The Wintry Frolic It took Chrissy hours to fall asleep that night. She tossed and turned, thinking about Nick. Thinking about thinking about Nick. Thinking about how much she wanted to not be thinking about Nick. Think about something else, she told herself. Something boring. So she tried to think about things that bored her. People who think that it's interesting to hate pumpkin spice. People who like to argue about whether hot dogs are sandwiches. People who use the word sports ball. People who still make jokes about Nickelback. The music of Nickelback. Live baseball games once she finished eating her hot dog. The movie Fantasia. None of it worked, in part because she forgot that Fantasia was, along with being boring, also kind of scary. She tried to trick herself into falling asleep by counting backwards from Nick, but that presented more troubles than it solved. And when she finally fell asleep, do you know what she dreamed about? Her teeth falling out. But then later also about Nick. Nick chopping down a Christmas tree. Nick wrapping presents. Nick drinking hot cocoa. Nick saying, in my family, we got to open one present on Christmas Eve. It was usually pajamas. Really, the entire night was just a dreamscape of Nick and a Christmas activity montage. The next morning, she felt confused. Usually, she considered her Christmas dreams nightmares, but these were different. Nice, even. Wouldn't that make her mother happy, she smirked to herself, marrying a boy from Candy Cane Falls and never returning to the big city again. Well, she thought, that will never happen. After all her years in the city, she knew that she could only fall in love with someone who spoke in a brusque tone and say all you will about Nick's abs. No, really, please do. But he spoke gently and at a normal pace and volume. This would just not do for a businesswoman from the city like Chrissy. I never get tired of limiting myself like this, she thought sleepily, and then drifted back to sleep. When she finally came downstairs later that morning, Nick was already out back, hard at work in the candy cane fields. Here, honey, said her mother, bustling about the kitchen. I made you some morning candy cane hot chocolate. Chrissy clasped the mug in two hands and took a deep breath through the rising steam. What strain of mint is this, Mom? she asked. I thought you would notice, her mother replied. That's from this year's candy cane harvest. We're calling it Noel Limits. Your dad would have been really proud of this one. It's so minty, but it's still really smooth, said Chrissy, ignoring the comment about her father. It was too painful. I can feel it tingling through my entire body. Her mother nodded. Yes, Noel Limits is definitely a body peppermint, as opposed to the other little crop we tried out this year, Christmas Blaze. That one you feel more in your head. This really is like medical-grade mintiness, Mom, Chris said, impressed. I didn't think this was your style. I'm actually kind of surprised you can handle this. Her mom rolled her eyes. Please, she said. I was a teenager in the 60s. I've forgotten more strains of peppermint than you'll ever try. It's really delicious, Mom, Chrissy said, savoring the candy. Her mother beamed with pride. I was really pleased with this year's crop. I guess there must have been a little extra Christmas magic around the house this year. And like that, Chrissy's good mood disappeared. There's no such thing as magic, Mom, she said, and there's no such thing as Christmas. Well, that second part is just patently untrue, her mother said. It's a bank holiday. Chrissy's face clouded. You know what I mean. You always do this. You always have to bring up Christmas. Well, it's really hard not to, her mom started when Chrissy interrupted. This kind of conversation would never happen in the big city, she snapped. A furious silence hung between them. 
I think I'll go see if Nick wants any hot chocolate, Chrissy said finally. Since the harvest is so big, I mean, she added quickly. Since it's such a big, strong harvest, I just want to make sure he has energy to harvest. I'm doing this for you, Mom, she concluded unconvincingly. Good idea, her mother said quietly. I'm sorry, Chrissy said. I shouldn't have yelled. You know how hard it's been since the incident. I know, honey, her mom replied. But that was years ago. You've got to move on. Or you've at least got to be able to have an in-depth conversation with me about it right here and right now. You know I can't, Mom, Chrissy said. Just then, there was that same faint tinkling like bells. You hear that, right? Chrissy asked. Hmm, hear what? Her mother replied absently. Nothing, Chrissy muttered. In the city, they played popular rock music at cool, unknown venues everyone knew about. In Candy Cane Falls, your brain tricked you into hearing fairy music that no one else noticed. Another checkmark in favor of the city, Chrissy thought, rolling her eyes. You should get outside and see Nick, her mom said, winking. Mom, stop, Chrissy whined. I'm just being polite. Everyone knows that after a lot of hard, sweaty manual labor, the best thing for you is a mug full of thick, hot chocolate milk. That is what the town nutritionist always said, her mom acknowledged. May he rest in peace. May he rest in peace, Chrissy repeated. She marched out to the candy cane fields until she found Nick at last, plucking candy canes from the ground and tossing them into a large festive bucket. People from the big city might not know this, but when candy canes come out of the ground, they're uncut. Instead of having a hook on just one end, there is a hook on each end. After harvesting, one of the hooks is chopped off, leaving the J-shaped candy people know and love. Nick, she said, but he didn't respond. Nick, she said a little louder, still nothing. Nick, she shouted this time, and that got his attention. He turned around. Sorry, Nick said sheepishly. I was just lost in thought about how much I love rescue dogs. Then I got distracted by thinking about how to be a good father to my son, since I'm a single dad. Then I got distracted from that by thinking about whether six abs are enough, or if I should push myself for eight. I don't want to be vain, but physical health is so important to me since my grandfather perished in a tragic accident of not having enough abs. He was my best friend, and every night I sing the folk melodies he sang to me as a child to my own son. Then I cry because I'm not afraid to, and because tenderness is beauty, and beauty is strength, and strength is abs. Chrissy took a step toward him, but he continued. And even if I hadn't been thinking about all of that, he said, I would have been distracted by the language lessons I was listening to. I'm trying to learn Romanian because I once saw a film that starred a Romanian actress who I so admired that I vowed then and there that I would learn Romanian in the off chance I ever met her so that I could tell her how much her art meant to me, how much I've respected her, and how much I knew that she, a woman in her 80s, could teach me. And then I would sit quietly at her feet and learn. That is, he clarified, if she wanted to. If not, I would simply say thank you to her as I'm sure you know, and go home forever changed. Chrissy tried to say something, but Nick wasn't done. And of course, being around all these candy canes just makes you think, he said, you know, about how open communication and trust are so important in a relationship, and I hope that if I ever get married again, that it's to my best friend, and that every Christmas we'll buy matching pajama sets and take photos in front of the fire, and everyone who saw the pictures would think, you know, usually I find these photos cloying and obnoxious, proof positive that the spark has left the relationship, but somehow with these two, it makes me believe that love is real and alive, and that as they age, their relationship will only become steamier. And I'll say, and doesn't that reindeer print bring out my wife's beautiful eyes? And they'll be shocked to admit it, but they'll agree that somehow it does. And then later, when I quit social media to spend more time with orphans, everyone will mourn that they no longer can look at that photo, because it made them feel things they haven't felt since the first time they fell in love. Anyway, he sighed. 
I was just thinking about all of that, so I didn't hear you come up. So what's up, Chrissy? Chrissy tried to respond, but no words came out. She opened her mouth over and over again, but no, just silence. She stood there croaking like a very emotionally overwhelmed frog when she finally got one word to come tumbling out. Hot, she croaked. Nick raised his eyebrows. Hot, she croaked again, trying to force out another word. Finally, it came. Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. Here, she said, thrusting the mug toward him. I came here to say that I brought you candy cane hot chocolate. You look like you were getting sweaty, so I thought I'd get you some thick hot milk. He finished smiling. You remembered my favorite after basketball snack. Oh, yeah, thought Chrissy. I almost forgot he played every sport. How could I forget? asked Chrissy. I remember watching you in halftime while all your teammates were sipping on Gatorades and waters. There you were, chugging a mug of steaming hot chocolate milk. You were different from the other guys. And then I'd puke everywhere, he said, grinning. And then you'd puke everywhere, she agreed. The janitors must have hated you. Actually, I'd usually stick around and help clean, Nick admitted. School janitors are criminally overworked and underpaid, and I was obviously committing to a fluid regimen that was really pretty risky puke-wise. Anyway, Nick said, accepting the mug at last, taking a long gulp, thank you. This is, he said, looking her deeply in the eyes, exactly what I needed. Chrissy started to blush, when suddenly she felt something wet land on her nose. She glanced up. It was starting to snow. Hey, she said dumbly, it's snowing. I've got an idea, said Nick. I need to get these two rows harvested before the snow covers everything up. Let's make a game of it. You in? Chrissy nodded, still sorting through everything Nick had said in the last ten minutes. Take this, Nick said, handing her a bucket, and we'll race. First one to finish their row wins. Ready? Chrissy nodded. She was doing so much nodding lately. On your mark, get set, go, Nick cried, and immediately dropped to the ground, ripping candy canes out of the earth and throwing them into his bucket. At times, his arms seemed to be moving so fast that they were blurry, but then Chrissy realized she'd just had snowflakes in her eyes. You're falling behind, Nick called gleefully as he moved down his row. Chrissy was still crouching at the very beginning of her row, struggling to yank her particularly stubborn candy cane out of the ground. Not two minutes later, Chrissy heard Nick exclaim, and done! He trotted back down the rows to Chrissy, pumping his fist in mock celebration. And meanwhile, I'm still here working on this first candy cane, Chrissy laughed. She gave it a tug. It was still stuck. Really plant your feet, Nick said from behind her. Use your body weight to pull. Chrissy dug her heels in, grasped the stubborn candy cane with both hands, and yanked. This time it worked. The candy cane popped out of the soil, sending Chrissy tumbling backwards, right into Nick, knocking him over. He fell to the ground, and she landed on top of him. Embarrassed, Chrissy tried to untangle herself from Nick and get up, but her efforts only made things worse. Somehow, she ended up belly-to-belly, nose-to-nose with Nick. She was close enough to smell his breath. It was minty. Sorry, Chrissy whispered. Hey, he said, smiling. What's red and white and dead all over? What? she said. Print media, he said soberly, poking her in the cheek where Melty Candy Cane had left festive stain. I'm having a lot of fun with you right now, but even in times like these, I just think it's so important to remember the importance of high-quality local journalism. Yes, absolutely, she said, scrambling to get up. Local news was so important. In fact, back when she first moved to the city, she used to subscribe to a small local paper. What was it called again? The New York Gazette? The New York Situations? The Big City Times? Odd, she thought. She had never forgotten something about living in the city before. She quizzed herself nightly regarding all the details of her business and city life, just in case anyone from a small town ever challenged her about anything, ever. But now, was Nick a bad influence or a good one? She had some thinking to do. I think I have... It's time for me. Goodbye, Nick, she said. 
Nick flopped backward in the dirt again, content, covered in snowflakes. If Chrissy had looked back as she walked away, she would have seen that two of his abs were poking out beneath his shirt, but instead she just hurried inside and slammed the door. Next time, guys, Nick whispered to his stomach muscles. Scene 5. The dramatic mix-up. Chrissy did not have a crush on Nick. That was what she would tell herself in the mirror every morning. The way you do when you definitely don't have a crush on someone. So maybe it would be more appropriate to say that Chrissy wouldn't let herself admit that she had a crush on Nick. When she saw him around her mom's house, she smiled and said hi, but that was it. She would hurry off to wherever she was headed next, never letting the conversation go too far. It wasn't just that she was still giddy from and embarrassed by their last encounter in the candy cane fields. It was also that she was just out of a long-term relationship. Her heart was still a little broken over Cole, but even if it hadn't been, now just wasn't the time to get mixed up with someone new. So, as much as she could, she avoided Nick. Still, Nick kept finding ways to let her know he was thinking of her. Like the morning Chrissy woke up to the sound of screams from downstairs. She bolted upright in bed in a panic, just in time to hear the front door slam and footsteps pound up the stairs. Chrissy, it's amazing! Her mother was yelling, her voice getting closer and closer. Chrissy, wake up, you've got to see this! The door to Chrissy's room burst open. Mom! Chrissy cried, pulling the covers up to her neck. Whatever happened to knocking? Chrissy's mom waved her off, still trying to catch her breath. The trees, Chrissy, she panted. It's a miracle! You've got to come see! Can you please give me a minute to get dressed then? Chrissy asked. I'd appreciate some privacy. Oh, this privacy thing again, her mom said, waving her off. This is the diary incident of 2003 all over again. You read my diary, Chrissy cried, suddenly remembering. You were snooping. I was not, her mother replied indignantly. It's like I told you. I was cleaning under your bed, and the diary just happened to fall out, open to the page where you confessed your darkest secrets. We both know that you read more than a page, Chrissy said. Well, if I did, it wasn't on purpose, her mom insisted. What? Is it my fault that just as I was finished accidentally reading the first page, a gust of wind came in through your bedroom window and just happened to blow it open to the next page? Mom, Chrissy said, please just wait in the hallway. I'll be out in a minute. Chrissy emerged from her room a minute later, fully dressed but still yawning. Okay, she said. What was this you were saying about miracle trees? You'll see, Chrissy's mom said. Follow me. They walked down the stairs and out the front door, across the porch, and into the yard. Here, Chrissy's mom said, walking up to one of the oldest trees on the property. Look at the birch. There's something going on with the bark. What? And then it peels off? Chrissy asked, approaching the tree. Everyone knows about that. Suddenly, she froze, staring at the tree. Slowly, she reached out, tentatively touching the white bark. Brow furrowed, she brought her fingers back to her lips and licked them. They tasted like white chocolate, her mom said, licking her own fingers and nodding, and peppermint. She was right, Chrissy thought, staring at the tree. Somehow, all the bark on their white birch had been replaced with peppermint bark. It's my favorite Christmas treat, Chrissy said, but who could have... Suddenly, she remembered. The other day, she had heard Nick out back on the phone with someone. He had been saying, and you're sure this brand of frosting is strong enough to adhere peppermint bark to a birch tree? At the time, she hadn't thought a thing of it, but now... Chrissy smiled and shook her head. She couldn't quite explain it, but for some reason, she had a sneaking suspicion that somehow, somehow Nick was involved here. She broke off another piece of peppermint bark and took a bite. Yum, she thought, uh, thought Chrissy. It was the perfect combination of white chocolate and peppermint with a little bit of super adhesive frosting to balance everything out. He's sweet and he's cute, but I just don't know if I'm ready, Chrissy told her best friend Holly on the phone. 
Holly hadn't come up before in this book because she wasn't necessary as a narrative device until now. But trust me, behind the scenes, she's been involved the whole time, just doing a lot of classic best friend things. You should see their text chain. Come on, Holly, Chrissy said. Help me out. What do you think I should do? You know what else is sweet and cute, Holly asked. A nectarine with googly eyes glued on it. And do you know what makes a terrible husband? She paused dramatically for effect. A nectarine with googly eyes glued on it, she concluded. Come on, Chrissy said. I really need your help here. What do I do about Nick? Ew, said Holly. First of all, we can't forget the fact that he's a townie. I know, admitted Chrissy. He's a genuine, born and bred, candy cane falls townie. So if you got together, Holly continued, that would mean, what, you'd never come back to New York? You'd waste away in candy cane falls? I mean, you may as well move to the moon. Or worst. She paused in disgust. Queens. I wouldn't call it wasting away, Chrissy countered, but she would be lying if she hadn't thought the same thing. She liked doing business in the city, where many businesses and buildings were. What would she do in Candy Cane Falls? There weren't any business buildings there. She crinkled up her nose. Don't crinkle up your nose like that, Holly said. I can hear you doing it through the phone. It makes you look like one of those bald sphinx cats. Chrissy tried to relax her face. How did Holly know? You know, Chrissy said, I'm kind of going through something here, and some encouragement would be nice. Sorry, Chris, Holly said. You know I love you, but you also know that I pride myself on being brutally honest. That's my whole thing. I've taken my decision to deploy casual, off-putting cruelty toward everyone in my life, and I've somehow successfully rebranded myself into someone who just tells it like it is. That's remarkably self-aware, said Chrissy. But just this once, couldn't you? If you want someone to make you feel better, Holly interrupted, talk to a doctor. If you wanted someone to tell you the truth, talk to me. But you're a doctor, Chrissy replied, a pediatric neurosurgeon. I have very poor bedside manner, Holly conceded. But you have to admit, you love me. I say things like, we'll be best friends forever because you already know too much. I have like six fluent and sarcasm coffee mugs because people are always giving them to me saying, this made me think of you. I'm just a whole situation of a person. So you're saying I should let the whole Nick thing go, Chrissy said. I'm just saying, Holly said that it's like my favorite Henry Ford quote, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you can't. I don't think that's how the quote goes, Chrissy said. Look, Holly continued, I'm just here to act as a sounding board and drive the plot along, so I'm going to let you go. Talk to you never, big city forever. Big city forever, Chrissy mumbled. She needed to take a walk to clear her head. She had so much to think about. She walked downstairs, opened the front door, and gasped. Standing in front of her stood Cole, dressed in a business suit, holding a bouquet of business flowers, marigolds, blue bottles, and the NBA bouquet. His arm was raised, just about to knock. What? What are you doing here? Chrissy stammered. Cole cleared his throat. He looked nervous. Is there somewhere we can talk? He asked. Here is fine, Chrissy said. She was in shock. Part of her was overwhelmed by how good it felt to see Cole. It had been so long since she'd seen a proper cufflink, and her health was suffering for it. But the other part of her thought... How dare he show up like this, unannounced? On the porch? Are you serious? Cole asked, looking around. Chrissy stood examining him, expressionless. Okay, he said nervously, pulling a crumpled piece of paper from his pocket. The porch. By the way, he said, admiring the floorboards, how did your mom get the condo association to approve them painting a concrete porch to look like real wood? This is real wood, said Chrissy, and there aren't any condo associations in Candy Cane Falls. Well... There used to be one, and the members really didn't get along. The only things they had in common were that they ran the condo association and that all three of them loved to sing. 
There's just nothing but drama between them until a few years ago when there was an emergency down in the middle school on Christmas Eve and, well, long story short, the only way that everybody could be saved from certain death was if somehow carolers could appear and sing a Christmas melody in perfect three-part harmony and, anyway, this was all going down at the same night that the condo board was about to close a huge business deal, but in the end, they decided that Christmas spirit mattered more than making money and buying groceries, so they rushed down to the middle school, sang the medley, and everyone was saved. Anyway, Chrissy finally took a deep breath. They basically disassembled the condo association after that to focus on Christmas caroling full-time. Cole looked like he was going to faint. You're telling me that they're currently caroling full-time for their jobs? Yes. And you're sure that Carol doesn't actually stand for, like, cost analysis report optimization logistician? I'm sure, said Chrissy. Well, 98% sure. Actually, I heard that this year they're training for a caroling contest with a big cash prize. It's the exact amount needed, incidentally, to pay what it would cost to rebuild the beloved advent calendar shop owned by old Mr. Bailey, a staple of the community, a kind older man who had become such a father figure to so many in the town that he was more affectionately known as Felice Navidad, but like with an emphasis on dad, and who, after the tragic loss of his wife, who died heroically saving the town's children from a roaring tinsel fire, has had nothing to live for but the shop. The twist? The judge of the contest is none other than Marv Meisterberger, the alto caroler's vindictive ex-boyfriend. What will she do? I guess we'll see. But I have a feeling that old Mr. Bailey may have a few tricks pushed up his plush red sleeve yet, Chrissy finished with a wink. What are you doing? Cole asked, staring at her in horror. I don't know, Chrissy said, shaking her head. Sorry, I kind of blacked out there for a second. It happens when I spend too much time away from a robust public transit system. Anyway, what were you saying? Cole started to unfold the letter that he still held crumpled in his hand. I have a few things I need to say, he started. Wait, said Chrissy, holding out her hand. Cole, Chrissy said, holding out her hand. I appreciate whatever you're trying to do here, and I'm sure that whatever is in that letter contains a lot of rudimentary connections between love and office supplies which will kind of miss the mark emotionally, but which I will find sweet nonetheless. You know, kind of like when a six-year-old gives you, like, the ring from his ring pop for your birthday. Like, it's fundamentally a bad gift, but there's still something sweet about it. How did you know about the office supply similes? Cole asked, staring down at the paper in his hands. It's kind of your thing, Chrissy admitted. Do you remember the first Valentine's card you made me? Sure, said Cole. It said, on this Valentine's Day, just like the buttons I push in the break room vending machine to get Fritos Honey Barbecue Flavor Twist, the world's most underrated snack. B9. Because all this time you thought that when people said B9 on Valentine's Day, they were actually saying B9, Chrissy said. So there was a lot going on there. Oh, said Cole. And then the first time I asked you if you wanted to explore polyamory, I made you that card that said, Chrissy, let's make our relationship like the 27 incognito tabs on your computer. Open. Yes, Chrissy said, pursing her lips. That was the day I felt good about our relationship. And then the follow-up to the card I made when I did the joke with scissors, I remember Cole, Chrissy said, cutting him off. My point is, you have a pattern, and maybe I'll be ready to hear what you have to say in that letter soon, but you're just going to have to give me some time. So this is your mom's house then? Cole asked after a pause. Where does she do business and have meetings? Two years of dating, and somehow he had managed to avoid coming to Candy Cane Falls until now. She doesn't really do that, Chrissy explained. Cole poked his head inside the front door. I mean, surely there's a conference room in here or, or something. Chrissy shook her head. If Cole had just wanted to give her a letter, he could have mailed it or emailed it. 
which was what they called it in Candy Cane Falls when an elf courier delivered letters to your doorstep. Why show up in person? Cole, what are you actually doing here? She asked again. Cole straightened his back. I'm here to ask you two things, he said. The first question is from business company. I'm here to let you know that if you're still up for it, there's a junior executive position with your name on it. Specifically, junior executive Chrissy. They always knew they should never have let you go. They especially knew it when profits immediately dipped, so they'd love you to come back. Chrissy clapped her hand over her mouth. And the second question, Cole continued, is a question I should have asked a long time ago. He dropped to one knee. Chrissy, Kristen, Christopher, will you marry me? Chrissy took a deep breath. Her mind was racing, ping-ponging between Cole and Nick, Nick and Cole. Slow down, she told herself. Take a second to think about it. There's no hurry. What's the worst that can ever happen from someone waiting a long time before answering a question? Before Chrissy could answer Cole, she heard a noise from the side of the house. She turned to see Nick staring at them, holding a bouquet of candy canes with a ribbon tied around them. He stared at her and Cole for a few seconds. Then the bouquet fell from his hands and he turned and ran, leaving candy canes shattered on the ground behind him. No, wait, Nick, Chrissy called, running to the side of the house. Come back. But Nick was gone. Cole was still on one knee on the front porch. Cole, I... I have a lot to think about, Chrissy called back towards the porch. Is it okay if I have some more time by myself before answering? Cole stood up and brushed off his suit. He looked annoyed. If you need me, he said, I'll be in the naughty or nice suite at the second best western. He spun on his heel and marched back to his car, a red sports car with a custom license plate reading, Wrong for you. He slammed on the gas and the wheels spun, kicking up dirt and snow, splattering the Christmas decorations with mud. Then, just as suddenly as he had arrived, he was gone. And so was Nick. Scene 6, The Pining Montage. Chrissy sat in her living room, staring out the window. A very sad, minor-key version of We Wish You a Merry Christmas played in the background. It was from an old record of her dad's, one called Bummer Versions of Your Favorite Christmas Tunes for Setting the Scene Emotionally. More like we don't wish you a Merry Christmas, Chrissy muttered. She held up one of her hands and then slapped it with the other. Good one, Chrissy, she said to herself, like a person who is doing well. She put her head in her hands and stared out the window. Then she crossed her arms and stared out the window. Then she leaned her head against it. She was trying to find the pose that would look as sad as she felt. Finally, she settled on leaning her head against the window with her arms crossed while moving her head in such a way that it wrote the word sad in the fog on the glass. What was she going to do? She had blown it with Nick. That much was clear. She did not need to have a follow-up conversation with him to know that for sure. They had had a misunderstanding, and that was simply that. There was no chance of giving him a call and letting him know what the actual situation was and seeing if they could talk through it. The very idea made her laugh. No, Nick was gone for good. Goodbye forever, Nick. But did she want to be with Cole? Just a few weeks ago, she would have said, yes, absolutely. But that was before Nick, before Candy Cane Falls, before all of this. Had she changed? She needed to do some serious thinking. She'd go to the same place she did whenever she had serious thinking to do. Her serious thinking spot. Now ten minutes later and Chrissy was lacing up her ice skates, staring out at the frozen lake. She sighed happily. There was nothing better than a good skate to clear her mind. Chrissy eased out onto the lake. It had been years since she'd been skating. She'd been too busy assembling action items and thinking about the bottom line to even bother in New York. There was the big rink outside of Rockefeller Center, but one look at all of the bulky non-black sweaters, and one listened to all of the oh sorry's and I forgive you for bumping into me. That's the neighborly way, and she knew everyone at that rink was a Midwestern tourist. Plus, once she'd been walking past a busy cafe in Manhattan when she heard a group of professionals laughing, one of the women said, ice skating? What a small-town, non-business thing to do. Ever since, she'd been embarrassed of what used to be her favorite hobby. But now, as she sliced across the ice, cutting loops and twirls, all of it came back to her. It was just like riding a bike. 
a very cold, slippery bike without wheels. She leapt into the air and spun. For a moment, she was breathless, and then relief, a perfect landing. What wasn't perfect, she thought, was the situation she was in. Nice transition, she said to herself. Maybe when she figured all of this out, she would be a writer. But for now, the question, did she want Nick or did she want Cole? Cole represented everything she loved about her life in New York City. He was tall, like a building. His hair sprayed hair was hard, like a sidewalk. He ran really inconsistently, like the subway. But more than that, she loved how sophisticated she felt when she was with him. She loved having coffee dates, where they both just clacked away on their laptops, never once making eye contact, but occasionally slapping each other high fives. She liked walking briskly with him, comparing briefcase reviews, and going to the nicest, most dimly lit restaurants where the servings were so small that they could never be seen with the naked eye. She liked the way he looked in suits and the way he defended himself in lawsuits. For a busy business lady in New York, she couldn't imagine a better partner. And then there was Nick. Nick represented a slower, calmer life, one where she could imagine herself watching the sun go down from a porch swing, admiring the way the light danced off the candy cane fields. He maybe didn't have much need for business suits, but the way he wore rolled-up flannels and chunky fisherman sweaters certainly suited him just fine. She gave herself a little high-five for that suit pun. Plus, he was kind and generous and funny, and his abs were so nice they almost made her mad. It was a dilemma. There was a lot to sort through. Luckily, she prided herself on her ability to prioritize, so she had just started thinking about Nick's abs again when it happened, a loud pop and snap beneath her skates. Before she could even react, the ice under her feet gave way, and she plunged into the freezing water below. Scene 7. The Kiss Help! Chrissy screamed. Help, help, help! Chrissy thrashed about in the freezing water, craning her neck, looking desperately around the park for anyone, but her fears were quickly confirmed. There was no one else around. She tried to hoist herself up onto the ice, but every time she did, it collapsed in pieces beneath her weight and tumbled into the cold water. Okay, so that wasn't going to work. What should she do now? She could only tread water for so long. She started thinking about survival books she had read. Suddenly, she remembered. She was supposed to let her body go limp. She stopped treading water, relaxed her body, and immediately sank toward the bottom of the lake. She struggled to swim back to the surface, and then finally breaking the surface, she coughed and gasped for air. Right, she remembered. The going limp thing was for quicksand, not frozen lakes. It wasn't the first time she had been hoodwinked by advice about quicksand, and it certainly wouldn't be the last. But we simply didn't have time to go into all of that right now. What was she going to do? Her limbs were already numb with cold, and she could feel her muscles burning from keeping her above water. She was not going to last. That's when she heard it. A faint tinkling, like bells. The same sound she'd heard so many times since coming to Candy Cane Falls, coming from deep in the depths of the black water. How many times had Chrissy heard that mysterious sound? It had been everywhere this past week, in her Uber, at her mom's house, whenever the topic of her father's tragic death had been broached, in the streets, in stores, potentially at that Bell concert? With that last one, it was hard to say for sure. But it had to mean something, Chrissy decided, and she was going to find out. She took a deep breath, and she dove under the water. At first, it was nothing but black, murky water, but then, below her, she saw something, far in the distance, a faint light. She swam down deeper, toward the distant light, and the sound of the bells, which grew louder the deeper she swam. Her lungs were burning, but she still swam farther and farther down, until the light began to take shape. It began to look less like a light, and more like... a face? A beautiful woman's face? And finally, she saw it. It wasn't just any woman's face. It was Candace Cameron Bure's face. It had to be a mirage. But it also looked so lifelike that Chrissy almost wanted to reach out and touch it. She hardly had time to take in the blurry, watery details of Candace Cameron Bure's face, its warmth and openness, but also its mutability, able to transform from beleaguered hockey mom just trying to win the cookie contest to condo development villain with the snap of a director's fingers. You could say that she'd been typecast, Chrissy started to think. 
But in a way, you could also make the argument that she had defied typecasting altogether. But she stopped that train of thought when she saw that Candace Cameron Bure Mirage was trying to say something. Chrissy squinted in the dark, trying to read Candace Cameron Bure's lips. At last, she could just barely begin to make something out. Swim to the surface right now. You will drown. The bells thing is not magic. There are just a lot of bells in this town. What could she possibly mean? Chrissy didn't have time to figure it out. Her lungs were on fire. She swam as fast and as hard as she could back toward the surface and burst through the water. And that's when she heard the voices. Two men's voices calling for her. Chrissy! Chrissy! Don't drown! One of them shouted. We're coming! That sounds familiar, Chrissy thought. The shouting was coming from the woods. Out here! She screamed as loud as she could. There was a flurry of footsteps and then, moments later, Cole and Nick burst from the trees near the edge of the lake. When they caught sight of Chrissy in the water, they both sprinted to the shore. Are you okay? asked Nick. Stay calm. I'm coming to you. He eased his foot out onto the ice and cracked spiderwebbed out from his weight. It's not safe, Chrissy said. The ice won't hold. You'll have to try something else. I've got it, cried Cole, yanking his briefcase open and dropping to his knees. I'm a hero. What do you have? Nick asked, looking back at Cole suspiciously. An inner tube, Cole cried, tugging out something from his briefcase. I saw it in the kitchen at Chrissy's house and thought, huh, that might come in handy. Now, if you'll excuse me, he said, smirking at Nick, I have some inner tube heroism to perform. Wait, that's not, Nick started to say, but Cole shouted over him. Here it comes, Cole cried, rearing back and throwing something out across the lake toward Chrissy. It's cylindrical. It has a hole in the middle. I found it in the kitchen at Christmas. It's definitely a rescue inner tube. It's definitely a fruitcake, Chrissy called back moments later, when what had turned out to definitely be a fruitcake had smacked against the surface of the lake next to her and then immediately sunk. It's a fruitcake, she repeated, sighing. Are you sure? Cole yelled. I really think it was an inner tube. Hold on, I'll just Google differences between fruitcake and inner tube. Please do something more useful, Chrissy yelled back. Chrissy, stay calm, I'll figure this out, said Cole, pulling his phone out of his pocket. Nick stepped back from the ice and dropped to the ground in a crouch, putting his head between his knees. Come on, he whispered to himself. Think, think, think. Cole stepped back toward the woods. Better reception, he called. Then looking at his phone and typing, he muttered, Friend, fallen in ice. What? to do no that's not good maybe how escape from frozen lake wiki no that's not good either suddenly nick shot to his feet the candy canes he yelled and ripped his backpack off he turned it over and dumped it out it was stocked full of freshly harvested candy canes freshly harvested and uncut a hook on each end quickly he got to work creating a giant chain of candy canes you want to help here? Nick called back to Cole as he got busy hooking one candy cane after another. Cole waved him off without looking up from his phone. He was still mumbling, ask Jeeves how to save friend from frozen lake or pond. He looked up. Is this a lake or a pond? Nick ignored him. By that time, he had created a chain of candy canes so long it just might reach Chrissy. He grabbed one in and gave it an expert lasso and tossed the candy cane chain out toward Chrissy. It landed in the ice next to her. Chrissy, grab onto the candy cane rope, Nick cried. Chrissy reached to the water and gripped one of the striped candy canes in her hand. Got it, she yelled. Then she felt a tug on the line and her body was pulled up, up, and out of the water. Nick stood on the shoreline, straining with the effort of hauling her in. The candy cane stretched and they strained, but they did not break. God, Nick thought. If only one of the mass candy cane manufacturers were right here, right now, I'd point this out and I'd say, here, here's the difference a homegrown candy cane makes. 
Nick pulled and pulled the candy cane rope and tug after tug after tug. Christy was slowly pulled across the ice and water. And then, finally, with one final terrific pull, Nick yanked her out of the lake and onto dry land. He ripped off his jacket and draped it over her shoulders. She was soaking wet and freezing and couldn't stop her teeth from chattering. Nick took one look at her and then ripped his sweater off too, holding it to her. She tugged it over her head and on. Nick was now wearing just his undershirt, a white t-shirt that had a photo of two golden retrievers on it. Who rescued whom? The text below the photo read. He took a step closer to her. Nice trick with the candy canes, Chrissy smiled, her teeth chattering. They call me the cowboy of Candy Cane Falls, he smiled back. Or at least maybe now they will. She inched closer to him and looked into his eyes. I'm not going back to New York, she said. You're not going back to New York, Nick repeated, and then he kissed her. He smelled like peppermint. After a final magical minty moments, Chrissy pulled back from the kiss to study Nick's face, but while she did, she heard a commotion behind her. Cole had finally looked up from his phone. He sprinted over it, nearly tripping over himself. Chrissy, he cried. You're okay. Sorry, I was looking for ways to rescue you, but then I went down the internet hole, and you have to see this video. It's from the top 10 most hilarious ice rescue fails, and it... Chrissy put her hand over Cole's mouth to shut him up, and then she kissed Nick again. Scene 8. Final Merry Christmas. Chrissy's childhood home was packed with people. Great party, Mom, Chrissy yelled. What? Her mom yelled back. It's too loud in here. I can't hear you. I said great party, Mom, Chrissy yelled even louder. Thanks, her mom called back. I got them on sale. What was initially supposed to be Chrissy's family Christmas dinner had instead transformed into a full-on Christmas bash. Or had it technically become a gala? No, that wasn't it, Chrissy thought to herself. What was the word she was looking for? It was on the tip of her tongue. Then she remembered. Soiree, she called in excitement. Oh, no problem, the man next to her responded. Chrissy looked at him in confusion and then shrugged and moved on. That was another thing about Chrissy. She didn't know how to pronounce soiree. Call it whatever kind of party you want, but the fact was that it felt like half the town had shown up that night. The friendly people of Candy Cane Falls just couldn't help it. When they heard the good news of Chrissy's miraculous ice rescue and the budding romance between her and Nick, they had to come see for themselves. This was just the kind of narrative that people in Candy Cane Falls cared deeply about and celebrated, and forced themselves into, so that they could feel like they were part of it, I guess. Either way, Chrissy was choosing to believe that it was sweet and not actually super creepy and inappropriate, which, if she thought about it for even a moment longer, she would determine it might actually be. But there was no time to think about that. She had a Christmas party to enjoy. And she really was enjoying it, she thought to herself. That's when she realized that she really wanted, more than anything, right in that moment, to be able to be everywhere at the party all at once. Because in that moment, she was feeling so fondly toward every single person in Candy Cane Falls that she wanted to be with all of them at once, to be part of every conversation, of every hug, of every shared smile and clink glass. She almost wished she realized that she was in a movie, so that the camera could zoom out a little, letting her magically see into every room at the same time, each one full of people enjoying the simple pleasures of a Christmas party in her childhood home. And if the camera could have zoomed out even farther, she would have been able to see her parents' beautiful home from above, its windows glowing brightly, the snowy yard dotted with trees, the newly harvested candy cane fields out back clean and bare. If the camera could have zoomed out farther than that, she would have seen her house as just one of dozen of tiny glowing houses on her street. And if it zoomed out even farther than that, she would have seen the entire town of Candy Cane Falls, every tiny shop and sign accounted for. And if the camera had zoomed out just a bit further, she would have seen that the whole tiny town was contained inside of a delicate snow globe, her house now just one bright speck among dozens of other warm, bright specks underneath a glass dome. And if she could have zoomed out just a bit further, 
than that, she would have seen Chris reclining in a comfortable, overstuffed chair, looking down at the miniature town of Candy Cane Falls inside of his snow globe warmly. She would have seen him wind the key on the snow globe, set it down, and close his eyes as the sound of tinkling bells began to play. And if she had waited a few more moments after that, she would have seen him open his eyes, grin directly into the camera, and wink. The end. That is it, you guys. That is done. Round one of the Build Your Own Christmas Movie Romance. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, like eight other endings that you can come about. If you make it all the way through the book, there are six other endings and then there are a couple of other endings that make the book shorter throughout. So we will be doing this again. If you want to pick differently, which we will, uh, make sure you are following my Instagram page, Sockbun Studios. I will be putting all of the questions back up to poll again and we will play this game at least one more time, maybe two, because there are different scenarios that we need to explore. Until next week, remember there are no bad hair days. I will see you guys next time.